time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Happy summer to everyone. It's finally here. Uh, the weekend is here, but also summer, man. It's just, it always feels a little different, obviously warmer, but you feel like uh, maybe less responsibilities. I don't know, maybe, maybe more responsibilities for some of us. Summer, uh, the kids are out of school and running around doing other things, uh, but uh, I'm sure there's still plenty to do. And uh, it's just uh, maybe for, for some of us, just a month, a few months where it's a little hotter, but it is like barbecue season, right? Some poolside stuff. Uh, summer is here. So that's awesome. And uh, today on the podcast, a Friday edition, of course, you know, we're having a conversation with someone, somebody uh, that I've crossed paths with many years ago. And so many different people on this podcast, um, I, I can say are kind of from all over. Yeah, a lot of real Hondo prep and carry East League people. But I've had a lot of uh, people that I've, again, come in contact with or worked with in many different areas of my life. And uh, today is, is one of those people, somebody that we didn't work together a ton, but it was, uh, the, the time was brief, but it, it was, a, it was a good time. And, and definitely we've stayed in touch since then. So today we're going to be joined by Mr. Trent Chang. Uh, Trent is currently a volleyball coach for Flint Ridge Sacred Heart. He also is the director of recruiting for the San Gabriel Elite Volleyball Club. We'll let him tell you all about that. He also does some softball coaching at Flint Ridge Sacred Heart, but it was at Cal State Fullerton where he and I crossed paths. Uh, he was working for the, um, for the, excuse me, for the uh, Fullerton Flyers. Sorry, they were the Orange County Flyers when I uh, joined there my senior year as an intern. Um, then it was the next few years at Cal State Fullerton on the baseball team. Uh, both of us were working for the team in some capacity. Trent was more uh, hands-on on the field, uh, in the locker room, and stuff of that nature, working for the athletic department and equipment staff. I was up in the press box, usually just pushing a button, answering a phone call, doing stuff like that. But uh, it was cool to see a guy that we worked together with the Flyers, then with the Cal State Fullerton baseball team, and then Trent went on to uh, to bigger and better things. He was also a Kansas City Royals uh, player personnel video intern. He did that uh, for a season in AAA out in Omaha. Uh, so I will let him, again, fill you in on uh, more of that. He's done some uh, high-performance uh, performance, excuse me, human, what is this, high-performance filmer for uh, human performance consulting. So he does a lot of work with sports. And again, these are people I like to talk to people from different fields in the great sports that we love. So I haven't talked to Trent in many, many years, and I'm very much looking forward to catching up hear about everything that he's been doing and uh, just uh, maybe some of the stories and, and memories from along the way. So looking forward to catching up with my uh, fellow Cal State Fullerton alumni, uh, Trent Chang. So it's been a while since we talked. So let's get right to it and let's bring him on the Get Home Safe podcast. Okay, I'm now joined by Trent Chang. He and I haven't seen each other in quite some time, but uh, our paths crossed a few different times at Cal State Fullerton, working for the Orange County Flyers in the Golden League and the Cal State Fullerton Baseball, of course. Trent Chang, what's up, man? Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me on. Trent, uh, it's been a while, man. You know, when when you start working for different sports teams or college or some you know, professional independent leagues or whatever, you, you just, uh, you meet all kinds of people who kind of have the, the crazy uh, thoughts that you have. Oh, I'm going to work in sports. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, is, was that kind of how you got involved into uh, all the different activities you did at Fullerton? Honestly, I'm a sports fanatic. I'll watch anything that's competitive, even if it's like, who can eat a taco the fastest, right? You know, like <laughs> it's just nature. Um, and I wanted any, I wanted to do anything that had to deal with sports, you know, whether it was operation side, whether it was just being on the field of the court, uh, I wanted to be involved, you know, uh, I had the itch and I was willing to do anything that I needed to do to be a part of it. 
Wow. Well, you've, you've done uh, a lot of different things, which we will eventually get to. Uh, you're currently a volleyball coach at uh, Flint Ridge Sacred Heart, not Flint Ridge Prep for our Rio Hondo listeners, those that rivalry we have with them, but Flint Ridge Sacred Heart there in, in, in La Cunada, I believe. You coach softball and you're the director of uh, recruiting for the San Gabriel Elite Volleyball Club. What can you tell me about the uh, San Gabriel Elite Volleyball Club? All right, so San Gabriel Elite or uh, SG Elite, uh, which we're kind of known nationally, is the largest club in Southern California under one roof, we say, because there are a couple other clubs that are in Southern California that have multiple satellite, you know, uh, but each of their satellites operate, in, you know, independently of each other. Um, so this year, we're lucky enough to have uh, around 64 teams in our one facility uh, operating pretty much year round. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's a year round job and it's don't get fooled by the title. You know, recruiting is just a small portion of what we do here. Um, It's, (laughs) I do a lot of like operational stuff, you know, logistics, scheduling, uh, janitorial stuff, um, Uber driver, whatever they need, you know, it's pretty much all hands on deck and you can make up your own title whatever you want it to be, you know, it's your title. <laughs> For sure. No, did you say 16 or 64? How many teams? Six, four. 64, like the NCAA tournament or what it used to be. Yes, you, exactly. Six, this SG elite is 64 club teams. Yes. Oh, All my. at one site. Yep. <laughs> and, and where is that site? Uh, so we are actually located in the Glassell um, park area. So like just South of Glendale, um, our address says Los Angeles, but everyone just says we're in Glendale, uh, which is about two and a half miles from Dodger Stadium. Um, yeah. yeah. That's crazy, man. 60, so I so I know like travel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, club baseball, I, a little bit about the basketball mm-hmm. side of things, AAU. I don't know really much about volleyball, but is, is it similar where it's just uh, it's tryouts, you got to, you know, get on these teams and you're pretty much playing year round. Tell me about the SG Elite. Okay, so the way volleyball is kind of broken up because girls and boys are a little different just because for CIF, for like high school rules, you can't be in a club sport during the high school season, right? So I would say our actual season starts um, like the last week of July with tryouts. So Southern California uh, allows tryouts to happen for high school age girls uh, the last week of July. And it used to, when I started, it used to be in November after the high school season. But the idea was if they have tryouts in July, it gives clubs more time to like order uniforms and, you know, do all the logistics stuff rather than they go, they're just cramming everything from November straight into the season, which starts in December. So tryouts are in the last week of July and it goes, um, then we go dead for high school season. Uh, and we start coming back with our 14 and under. So our middle school, our elementary school age groups, which will have tryouts in the first week of October. Uh, That age group will be the first ones to start the season, and that normally starts um, the first week of November. And then high school will start uh, Thanksgiving weekend or the very first Monday after Thanksgiving. And then you go until nationals, which is it ends on the 4th of July this year. Wow. So that's a lot of volleyball. So it's right after your, say yeah. your high school season ends, whenever mm-hmm. that is playoffs wise. And then you jump right into now we're playing the bulk year, the bulk of your, of your, of your year. Exactly. I, say. exactly. Wow. I would say like volleyball is the equivalent to travel baseball or like college, you know, like sure. in terms of you're going year round, 12 months, um, you go straight from club into high school and back into the club. And it's just, you know, an endless cycle. Cause you just said you go from November through July 4th. And mm-hmm. then right after that is tryouts for the next team. So is there, there is then that break from July until the end of the high school season. But again, their high school season starts in September. So it's not much of a break. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> um, this year at actually high school actually starts. The first official game you can have is August 13th. 
Okay. Wow. So it's very similar to, to football, yeah, basically. Exactly. Right? Yep. Tied into yep. it. The fall sports there. So again, I don't, I don't know much about uh, volleyball. I've, I've seen, you know, basic rules and things, but what interests me about this is that we've seen this in so many other sports now and mm-hmm. high schools have had to kind of make that separation of club and club season and, and in season, mm-hmm. but you see it in basketball, you see it in baseball on the boys side of things. Uh, I, I knew that it was there softball and basketball as well, but when, when would you say club full-time travel, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the club volleyball scene, when do you think that really took effect years ago? So I don't think I was a part of volleyball when that actually started, you know, it's progression into travel, baseball, travel, you know, basketball. Um, but from what I'm hearing, you know, from my colleagues and from my college coaches, probably it started like 2009 2010 is when like it was a really regional based sport and you really stayed within your region but then all of a sudden like around that 2009 2010 year it started going nationally and you know I think volleyball is the fastest growing sport in general between boys and girls on both sides and it's pretty much adopted you know the schedule that travel baseball is aau basketball and stuff like that um yeah just crazy (laughs) well well i would say the benefits to it much like basketball it's Mm -hmm. indoors um there's not a huge equipment cost there might be other fees of course but as Mm -hmm. far as uh you know, some knee pads and some tennis shoes and you're good to go for the most part. And so, uh, but what about this Trent? What have you seen? Have you seen more girls now not playing other sports like they did maybe in the past because you're now invested completely into one sport year round? So you're talking about like sports specific stuff like that? Yeah, like volleyball, basketball and softball, or maybe two of those sports. Are most of these girls Mm -hmm. not playing other sports because they're so focused on one? Uh, I would say probably around 70% of the girls playing club volleyball are sports specific to just volleyball. Um, You do have, you know, 25% to 30% that will play multiple sports, whether it's, you know, like Rio Honda Prep makes you play every single sport, right? So like whether their school is making them do it just because their student enrollment requires that to happen or, you know, hey, I want to train and the cheapest way for me to, you know, get out there and get extra training physically, you know, strength conditioning is just to play another sport, right? At my school. So you see a lot of like transition from volleyball to track and field, uh, volleyball, maybe into basketball in the off seasons at their actual high schools. But ultimately, you know, volleyball is trending to be a very sports specific, you know, which I don't know if that's the good thing. Um, but, (laughs) but yeah. Well, I mean, some, if some people want to get to the next level, it seems like, uh, this is, kind of some steps that you got to do. But one thing I've seen a lot in baseball trend is that guys will go and play club ball or whatever travel ball and they'll play year round. And, and they hit a point, man, even if they do have a break, uh, they hit a point where they're just burnt out. And maybe by the end of their high school year years, they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. What, what would you say is the majority of uh, the girls you see do, do is, is there some burnout or are they just doing this to stay hungry and get to the next level? 100% you see burnout you know there's no question there's burnout um even if the players themselves say they're not burnt out you know they're burnt out right and you know I have the unique opportunity to coach most of these girls in, or most of my girls in high school play club and then I still see majority of them uh on the club side right um but I have to be really aware of where my girls are at, you know, mentally coming into the high school season and understand that, hey, my kids that are playing year round club, I might not even have them do any volleyball stuff for the first month and a half, you know, or right until the season starts and we'll go, you know, straight into the season, not doing as much training as we should be doing, but that's more, I got to keep them, you know, engaged mentally you know I don't want them checking out um but I think just high school is still special right you get that school environment that you get 
that you see at like high school, you see at football, right? Everyone comes to support, especially coaching at an all girls school. Volleyball is pretty much our football, right? And you'll have everyone for big games coming to the volleyball games and you can't replicate that environment on the club site, right? I always tell all our players, hey, high school, you play for the school. Club, you play for yourself. And, you know, you can really see that because club is very, I hate to use it, it's okay to be selfish in club, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are paying for that training. You are paying to be on that team. So there's a level of expectation that you would have from club that you shouldn't have into high school. And now you're kind of seeing that crossover, that same mentality coming from club into the high school sports, which, you know, you, you kind of have to be very careful on how, you know, you're communicating, but I think you can solve a lot of that with just being clear in your communication with both players and parents. Sure. So from November through July, I mean, that is eh, nine months. Uh, yeah. This is, this is after the high school season has ended, take, take the, the typical, I don't know, 16, 17 year old young lady, a varsity player. What, what, what is the schedule? Like how often are they practicing with, with the SG elite and how many times okay. are they playing games? Okay. So the rule of thumb for most club, I think it's, it holds true to like a travel baseball, travel softball. Um, I'm not so sure about soccer and basketball, but uh, our, elite club teams uh will go two to three times a week uh so like our normal schedule for our top teams per age group will go tuesday thursday saturday those are the practice times um and then of course we play on the weekends if they're not playing on the week if they're playing on the weekends you know you lose that third practice but that's just expected uh tournament wise you'll play regionally and so our southern california region will probably go one tournament per month so December is just one tournament. Uh, January, you might have two, one in the front end of January, one on the back end of January. And then February, um, definitely one before Valentine's Day. And then currently where the recruiting calendar allows D1s off, off their campus uh, is President's Weekend. And so that's that's usually go time. So from there, it's like you're kind of easing into the season at the beginning. But once yeah. President's Weekend's happening, you are you're traveling. And wow. uh, so President's Weekend's the first time you can go out, or you can go out at any point in time. But it's the first time colleges are allowed off their campus, and so the big tournaments happen on President's Weekend. And so we go, we split our club up. So our top teams will go to Triple Crown, which is in Kansas City. Um, and our like twos, threes and fours teams will go to the Las Vegas classic, which is held by our region. Um, and you'll have 200 to 300 teams per age group at each of these tournaments. And so it, it's just crazy. All right. Um, you hear whistles, you know, girls screaming, you see coaches and refs wearing earplugs and noise canceling headphones, but, um, yeah. So from February through the end of qualification. So like there's a lot of bid tournaments where you have to go and get um, a bid to go to nationals um, happen all the way through the end of April. And then kind of like right now, May is a little like lull because D1 co coaches are back on the quiet period. So they can't leave their campus. So recruiting tournaments, it's not high of a you know pressure to go out to extra tournaments during may so it's kind of like a reprieve allowing a lot of the girls to do ap exams uh graduation you know proms always take you know effect in may so it's kind of like hey may is a you know a breather for everyone to kind of re-energize for the last you know home stretch which is june um but yeah that's pretty much the schedule wow I, I, I chose the wrong, uh, the wrong sport to officiate, man. I should have done volleyball. Sound volleyball year round. You're indoors. Uh, you know, I'm not getting hit by baseballs. I mean, I, I should have considered to do it and go in this route, man. That's, that's very, very busy for, uh, for all the young kids there. And, uh, what, what, what would you say percentage wise, um, how many of these girls, maybe not even D one, but just, uh, do end up continuing their volleyball career, uh, at the college level. I think I've heard, it's 4%. So 4% of the girls that play high school volleyball. And so not just club, but high school volleyball in general 
will end up going and playing at the next level. Um, and I think I haven't seen the numbers for this past fall. So the 2021 fall, uh, just because we're still in the academic school year, but uh, the last like full one was the fall of 2019 before COVID hit where like some states were playing, some states weren't. Uh, there was 452,000 girls playing high school volleyball. And so you're looking at maybe just over 4,500, you know, potentially playing college at the next level. Yeah. And you, the thing is at the high school level, you can see a difference. You can see when teams mm-hmm. go in there and it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. they, the, these, they, they're just diff- on a different level. They play all the time and no matter yeah. how good teams prepare in season, you know, or the preseason, like when someone's playing yeah. year round, it's tough to compete. Um, so, wow, I just can't get over uh, how, <laughs> how much volleyball there's. So what's it take to make this, this, these, one of these teams in the SG elite, you said there's tryouts in July. Mm-hmm. What do they consist of? Is it a one day thing? Is it a couple weeks? How do you make the team? Uh, so the way we hold it is we'll we'll carry tryouts from the first day we're allowed to have it uh, probably for and then have like seven to nine days of like makeup tryouts just because everyone's scheduled whether they're on vacation or they're at college camps and stuff so you know it's important to be flexible with uh, every single girl but the idea is majority of the girls we can identify where we want to place them an hour and a half two hours of a workout um, wow. now. There are some, you know, we do evaluate wrong sometimes, and especially with the gap now between our tryouts and then high school season, girls that we're projecting to be at a certain spot after high school, sometimes don't achieve it, or girls that we don't think will somehow have this great high school season and just, it clicks, right? And we didn't place them high enough coming out of high school, right? So, you know, you we try not to give every single roster spot away on every single team, just so we have some flexibility and go, okay, we really underplaced you. So we're going to move you up or, you know, we won't move down. Like if we miss eval on the kid, we offered that that spot. They're not going to move down. You can only move up. Right. Hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's a lot of basic skills uh, at tryouts and just seeing, can you serve? How hard is your serve? Uh, Can you hit the ball? can you pass the ball right it's very individually based for the tryout um just because a lot of the six on six drills and like maybe you're not used to the setter that's hitting you so your timing's off um you can't really truly take a six on six drill to a full evaluation especially you know maybe the hitter is way better than the setter or maybe the setter is way better than the hitter um but a lot of individual evaluations first, and then we let them game play to see maybe if there's an X factor that we weren't seeing in the individual drills. Sure. Sure. No, that's, that's interesting. What, what is this uh, Brooklyn elite I see here on your, uh, your resume? All right. Uh, Yeah. So a couple of the coaches at SG elite uh, moved to Brooklyn. And so (laughs) I'm doing that club's recruiting as well. And so I'll fly out to, New York a couple times of the year to watch their practices, go to tournaments with them. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much the exact same thing that I'm doing here in LA out in Brooklyn. <laughs> look at you, man. Coast to coast. What a guy. That's amazing. Yeah, I now I got to ask Trent, like when I met you, uh, you know, no offense, you didn't seem like a volleyball guy to me. I mean, you were very uh, much in love with baseball. And uh, before we get to the baseball, so, I mean, how did you, how did you wind up in this crazy world of coaching uh, volleyball? So my brother played volleyball. Uh, he was a basketball and volleyball kid in high school. And um, ultimately at the end of the day, in order to get my master's, I had to do an internship or a mentorship under someone that had a master's degree. Right. Um, and on the baseball side, sadly, there's not a lot of people that carry a master's well, you might see more nowadays because of all the yeah. analytics that are going on. But when I was doing my master's, you know, Moneyball was just, <laughs> you know, just something that you heard about, right? It wasn't yeah. something that is fully being invested right now. Um, so well, my, I knew a couple coaches that my brother played for uh, had their master's. And so I had to do 450 hours. And that's kind of how I got into volleyball. I saw 
there was a lot of potential to make money and have a career and actually like help develop something, right? Uh, volleyball, I really feels about, you know, maybe five years to a decade behind in terms of baseball and football and just the product that's being put on, on the field or on the court. Uh, volleyball's, you know, closing that gap really fast. But there's a lot of creative ideas that you can do and take from football, basketball, baseball, and actually implement it into uh, the volleyball thing. You know, and the biggest thing that I've, that I think I kind of created, or you know, maybe I just helped make it bigger, was running college camps. Right. So instead of um, kids going to the actual college for one camp for like 500 bucks, they they can stay home at our club. And we will pay like 30 to 40 colleges to come out and work with the kids. And so you're getting to work, you know, work and show your skills with 40 to 50 college coaches. Um, and you're only paying $500. So you can get 40 coaches for 500 versus going to the actual camp at the school and paying 500 for just one, you know, one staff. Yeah. No, that, that makes a whole, a whole lot more sense. And it's been interesting to me to see, again, the parallels. And that's what I, again, it's not so much the volleyball talk. It's to me, the ins and out ins and outs of everything, seeing the similarities of baseball and all these tournaments and college coaches showing up, you know, that's how yeah. the promoters sell it to the teams mm-hmm. is, Hey, you're going to have some coaches come and, mm-hmm. and get a look and maybe they'll see you and like you. So um, yeah, it sounds, it sounds real interesting. It sounds like uh, um man, you're doing great work and, and you found really, really something you're passionate about. What, when, uh, Trent, uh, did you discover this, this passion for sports? You mentioned it early on, but was it where you grew up and playing ball? Tell me about, uh, where you grew up and how you found a love of sports. Um, so I, I was born in Pasadena. Um, and then I live in San Gabriel. Uh, but honestly, I think my love for sports came from, my dad's side of the family um and my dad took me to dodger games when i was really young uh my uncle who moved to texas you know back in the 90s with my cousins they were really big hockey fans and so whenever i was with my cousins it was sports were on the tv some you know uh some way shape or form and you know of course my dad's from from normal Illinois so Chicago Bulls were always you know his team so when you know they were having that great run with MJ the Bulls were on you know our TV whenever you know we're able to watch it and since my mom wouldn't allow us to have cable growing up my dad and I would always go to our you know the boat the sports bar that just watch all the games there and (laughs) and like uh, the manager who just retired saw me grow up from like four or five years old until you know like I'm 37 now and so I've known him since I was like four and so it was just always going to the boat for games just because we didn't have cable at home um but yeah you know I my dad's side of the family definitely was you know why I'm so sports crazed I think so did you play uh you know baseball like most kids or any other sports uh, getting extra passion from kind of watching it on tv and then wanting to go do it also yeah, so I played basketball in the, like this local Japanese league. I'm half Japanese, half Chinese. Um, so I started that out same time I started like T-ball, right? Uh, so I was going from basketball to baseball uh, and it just stuck with me the entire time. You know, I played baseball through high school um, and we actually had a bunch of college players that were in our little league, you know, like Nolan Brunix, uh, he was oh, yeah. in the same league as a, us. And then there was a couple other guys that I don't quite remember, but he says, hey, remember they were on that team and they're now pitching in the major leagues or they're playing. And I'm like, I don't remember <laughs> them so much because, you know, from that eight to 11-year-old window, I only really know the ones that were on my team or who I consistently played against. Um, but yeah, you know, baseball's my love. You know, like no other sport will probably be baseball. But ultimately, you know, I tried to play anything that my schedule would allow me to play. Yeah. So, so always a Dodger fan, it sounds like. But yes. Now, what about this crossover with, with your dad and the Bulls and then the Lakers coming along? I mean, where was your loyalties there? Uh, so 
my dad says we are Dodger, Lakers, Kings, Kings fans when they're not playing a Chicago team. <laughs> he will move over to the Bulls, Cubs, and Bears, you know, <laughs> and the Blackhawks when they come into town. And so with, I will always support LA teams, but yeah. he'll support Chicago when they're in town. And then when they leave, he'll support the LA teams. I respect that. I mean, where you're yep. from and then where you live now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's, I yep. get it. I totally get that. That's very fair. I'm like <laughs> some other people around the, the country for teams <laughs> from all over for no reason. But anyway, exactly. Uh, that, that's really cool. So um, playing sports, what about high school uh, from the Pasadena area? When did you end up going to high school? Did you play sports there? Yep. Uh, I was, I graduated from Gabrielino. Um, oh. My class was the only class that got the old school. And the new school. So my freshman year, we played football on the field. And then as soon as the fall season was over, they gated the entire field up and started construction. And then everything from, you know, sophomore year on, all the teams had to go offsite <laughs> to oh, go wow. practice and play. And then senior year, um, they opened the gym uh, and the like partial section of the school so I got that portion of it but ultimately I, I really only played um for two years and then I got really big into speech and debate like I was able one I love to travel and so speech and debate you don't stay local you have to go across the country to play and just or not play but like argue speak whatever hey, you want to call it you're playing um, yeah I I say compete. You have to go across the country to compete, right? Yeah. And so just that portion, you know, is what, oh, I can argue with people and I can travel, right? And like sometimes (laughs) I win when I'm arguing, you know, Um, that's kind of what. I did that also. I did that also, Trent. It was called umpiring. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so I kind of went heavy into it uh junior and senior year and then I, that's actually why I went to Fullerton. Uh oh. I went because I wanted to compete at the college level and Fullerton's, you know, forensics or debate team, whatever you want to call it. Uh you know, there was openings and so I went there. So so let me ask I don't know much about this. So debate yeah. is it you compete against other schools? Like mm-hmm. it, really and so yeah and is there a panel of like judges who deter like a fight like determining hey who which school made the better points and is that pretty much how it works so uh, the debate's kind of funny right because yeah you have to know who your judge is right because you get one judge per round in like pre- prelims but then once you go to the elimination rounds they'll put three judges on the panel so now you're having to convince at least two of the three to get the win in a debate situation, but normally at like local tournaments or um, regional state tournament, right? You have parents that are judges. So you can't be as technical in your arguments with a parent judge that has no idea what you're talking about, right? They're just there because their team or their daughter or son needs a judge in order to enter the tournament, right? And so now at the beginning, you're allowed to ask the judges a couple of questions about like, their judging philosophy or, you know, what, what are they looking for? And so you kind of have to tailor your arguments based off of what kind of judge you have. Right. So if you have a parent judge, you're pretty much dumbing down all your arguments and having a general conversation with them. You know, you're trying to win the empathy vote with them. Right. Um, But if you have a coach or more technical judge, you can go all off. You can do every single argument in the book and those debates get heated really fast just because there's so many different arguments you can go off on. Um, but it kind of teaches you to be on your, you know, think on your feet, understand who your audience is. And it's kind of like a scouting report, right? You understand who you're going up against and then you game plan based off of who are they throwing? You know, what is, what is this other team's tendencies? So I still got my sports fix in the debate world. Yeah. It sounds like it. Uh, competition yeah. and a winner, a loser and a, someone that making decisions. Yeah. It sounds just like it. So I got to ask what, what are like, what was the top, what were the topics or maybe a couple examples? It wasn't always like something political, was it? Or was it something of like, 
what's a better color, uh, you know, blue or black? I mean, wh- what were some of the, the the topics as someone who knows nothing about this stuff? Um, what was my high school senior year? That's so long ago, man. You mean, um, yeah, I, who are you I, telling? <laughs> I think the national champion, like the tournament, the topic was the United States should be responsible for rebuilding and financing the construction of Iraq. Oh, wow. That's a t- and so that's, that's pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. So you have to, you know, one, you take politics and you have to figure out what part of the country are you in, right? Where do they tend to lean? And then you just tailor your argument to that, you know, argument, whether or not you believe it, it doesn't matter. Well, that's what I'm fascinated in. Yeah. That's what I'm fascinated in is, is the concept of a lot of people you hear out today talking in public circles and everything, they believe what they're saying, or at least they they pretend to. Yeah. In your element here, you may be, you may be for something or against something, but that's not the point. You have to figure out a way to make the best argument, regardless of what the topic is. Exactly. And, you know, like debate, they use a thing now, they call, call it spreading. And the easiest way to explain it is if I'm playing a tennis game against you as my opponent, right? I'm going to hit as many tennis balls at you at one time, right? So there's going to be hundreds of tennis balls in, in play at one time. And you, as my opponent, have to hit every single tennis ball back, right? And so if you don't cover one of the topics, I'm going to focus in, hey, they didn't cover this, but this is the most important issue for these reasons, right? Oh, or, man. and then the, then as my opponent, you're going to be like, the reason why I didn't cover this topic was because it's not that important, right? For these reasons. And so something that could start off with a hundred, you know, arguments on different topics gets narrowed down to why is this argument more important than this other argument? And like 99 other arguments don't even have a, you know, they don't matter in this debate anymore. We're now down to, you didn't cover this one. I think it's important. Or I didn't cover that one because I think this argument's more important. And so now you're weighing the impacts. But the one thing is when you're doing policy debate or team debate, which is what I pretty much did, everything ends in nuclear war because that is the worst <laughs> outcome that you can have. And so I should pretty laugh, much have but... to, yeah, no, no. Right. <laughs> and so they're like, Oh, by not answering this, you know, you are going to upset Russia and Russia, you know, uh, is going to do this against you. And they're going to bring in these other countries that agree with Russia on this. And then like, like in reality is like, is it really going to happen if um, the U S doesn't fund, you know, the reconstruction of Iraq. I don't think so, but you have to argue, you know, one way or the other, because you have to be able to argue both sides because you're going to be for it in one round and you'll be against it in another round. So it's like you trade off for a round um, and they assign you what, you know, side you're going to be on. So you go from the the high school debate team and everything into Cal State Fullerton. And is that what you ended up uh, studying or, or continuing to pursue? Uh, I did it for two years and then debate in college is really weird, man. It, it's pretty much who can come up with the most obscure argument had nothing to do with, you know, the actual topic. Um, but you did hear some really cool, I guess, speeches or topics, um, like the one from Long Beach State, you know, I, I never really give the 49ers or dirt bags, you know, props, but Ooh. one of my favorite teams <clears throat> um, came out of Long Beach State. And these two guys wrapped all their speeches. Like they played music, they played a, a soundtrack, a beat, and they literally wrapped their speeches. And their main argument was rap is the language of the urban community. And in order to understand, you know, in order to solve for the topic, you have to understand what your people want and understanding rap and, you know, the history behind it is going to help you solve your issues at home first. And so their big argument was we need to solve for within, you know, the United States first before we can go venture out and try to solve for nuclear war 
in yeah. <laughs> internationally. And so it was a really unique, you know, like just, I never went up against them, but I got to watch a couple of their rounds and oh, yeah. it was really entertaining. You know, it's like yeah, rapping. It's like Hamilton. It's like all the Hamilton exactly. show, you know, it sounds just like it. <laughs> right. And so like, that was probably like the coolest, like, you know, experience in the debate world at college, but and realistically you get those like really obscure arguments right that you just have to prepare for everything it's not really you're not really covering the topic that's given you're you have to prepare for rap you know and the urban <laughs> voice and so it's like oh my gosh any single argument can be you know <clears throat> brought up and you have to address it because then if you ignore them then you're just saying their voices aren't important and i'm like oh my gosh okay <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, so at the end of the day, I was like, okay, this isn't really what I want to do. And, you know, at that time I was working, I started working in the athletic department uh, from a freshman and then it was just more, okay, I don't need to travel as much in college. You know, I'm kind of over, I phased out of this and that's where I, you know, pretty much focused back in on, in athletics. Yeah. So, so what were your early jobs at Cal State Fullerton? Uh, as a freshman in the athletic department, it was something I wanted to get into was working mm -hmm. for game mm -hmm. operations. I got to assist to basketball yeah. games, working at the table for Mel Frank, stuff like that. But what were some of your uh, earlier duties and responsibilities? So my freshman and sophomore year, I started in the athletic department on game day staff, right? So set up, take down, collect ticketings, basically ushering, right? Um, and I did that for my first two years at Fullerton my junior year I studied abroad in London um, and came back but I was already working with the Fullerton Flyers during the summer so I kind of did that and my college roommate uh, was working in the equipment room right and so one of the man equipment guys you know graduated out and there was an opening and my roommate threw my name in there and it was awesome right um, and so I just went straight into the equipment room as soon as I moved back and I went from there, worked on, um, I think a little bit of everything, you know, like anything I can get my hands into or someone that needed help. Uh, I kind of volunteered for it. And at the end of the day, it's kind of how I got into like USA track and field stuff. Um, because I'm not a kinesiology major, but my roommate is, and Dr. Will Wu, who's now at Long Beach State, Wu, um, <laughs> um, him and his business partners uh, were all biomechanic, you know, biomechanical uh, PhD uh, professors, and so they were hired by USA Track and Field to do all the biomechanical filming, and so. I knew how to film from, you know, oh, I can push start and stop on a camcorder <laughs> and I know how to upload film into, you know, a computer and stuff like that, just from, you know, working around the baseball team and stuff like that. And so I got to go back to traveling with, uh, uh, I guess they call it HBC, Human Performance Consulting, which is the biomechanical um, company and dabbled in USA track and field, worked a couple of nationals. So got to go like Indianapolis. We went to uh, Ohio State. We went to Oregon, you know, um, just filming all, all these runners and athletes that you see for the U.S. going to the Olympics. And so that, you know, starstruck and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, yeah, oh, I can't mess up this film because they're going to come into the lab right after the race and watch all their film. <laughs> and so it was high stress, even though all you're really doing is starting and stopping. But if you don't start it at the right time, yeah. and you need to stop it too early, you're in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned how to either start it early and let it run longer than it had to be. Um, and sometimes they're like, you didn't have to film an extra two minutes after the race. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be yelled at for not getting the finish of the race and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. A lot, a lot easier to edit than it is to find uh, information we don't have. No, that's, that's exactly. a good point. Yeah, I don't exactly. care what it is. That, that pressure, that pressure atmosphere is, is real, mm -hmm. and uh, that's very, that's real cool, man. Get to travel yeah. and, but also be a part mm -hmm. of something as big as uh, yeah. USA Track and Field. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was in 2004 uh, when I think. Let me see. You you were working with the Cal State Fullerton Athletic Department. That's also a very magical year at Cal State Fullerton. Yes, it they was. Won the, they won the baseball national <laughs> championship, the last one 
they yep. won since. But uh, so w- were you working directly with that team at all? I wasn't with the baseball team yet. I was just in the athletic department as uh, game day staff. Um, gotcha. I didn't join the baseball team as like a member of their staff until uh, the summer of 2006 when I came back from London. Gotcha. And, and it was right before that, I think, where you were working with the Fullerton Flyers, right? So how did Correct. my experience was I started with the Flyers, kind of mm-hmm. got word of mouth. Dr. Chris Alba uh, spoke mm-hmm. up for me and kind of got me involved yeah. uh, with the, the the Titan team. And so what was your experience? Flyers first and then kind of more responsibilities with the baseball program? Well, um, so I think it was the athletic department first. Then it was the Fullerton Flyers. So I, I started in the athletic department during the spring of my freshman year. And then I think the Flyers started the summer of 2005, if I'm correct. I mean, I was, yeah, with, them the inaugural, I was with them the inaugural year anyways. Yeah. But um, so I knew Horton and Hookie and Gilly all from just being in the athletic department, you know, having to allow their families into the stadium, you know, and all, all the yeah. other stuff. Right. And so I always had great conversations with hooky and i was like hey you know i'm really thinking of potentially pursuing to become a sports agent right um can i you know intern for the baseball team you know do whatever you guys need me to do and hooky's like yeah you know come on in you know as soon as uh we get back on campus from you know, our summer recruiting stuff uh, let's meet let's figure out you know where you can help us and stuff like that and so the summer the the fall summer of 2006 I started with them and they put me with Gilly doing all the recruiting stuff and so I'm like you're testing me with recruiting you know bringing in <laughs> top tier talent and I haven't done anything and Cookie's like you'll be fine you just do whatever Gilly tells you to do and, and yeah. you know um so ultimately you know like I helped maintain our recruiting database and i started actually doing a lot of the recruiting marketing uh, materials that we were putting out to all the recruits and uh it was almost like gilly just signed his name on everything that we sent out (laughs) but in reality you know i was building like the flyers the you know promos whatever we needed to send out to the recruits and then in taking all the letters that came in organizing all the emails that came in um which kind of like piqued my interest a little bit more and more. And then after, you know, just being around the guys, understanding what an agent actually does. And then Hookie was like, you're not, you're too nice to be an agent. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) you are too honest and trustworthy to be an agent. And he was like, I'm like, I think you're right. Right. (laughs) And so it's pretty much, I helped do like game day pitch tracking and, uh, just being an extra arm on the field during practices and stuff like that. Uh, and I finished under Serrano and his staff um, before, like I left Lorton. And so, you know, it was great experience. I got to meet a lot of people, uh, learned a lot, you know, and I highly recommend it if you have that opportunity to, you know, do it. But honestly, it's just asking the question, you know, can yeah. I help you? Um, and probably have to do for free, right? Because, you know, free is always good for people like this. Um, well, that's the, that's the lesson for uh, that I want to share with people is that mm-hmm. it was the same with my experience. Like mm-hmm. if you want something, you, you got to be willing to ask that, Hey, you know, how can I help mm-hmm. you, but actually mean it and know yeah. that you're probably not going to be compensated or nearly yeah. for what the time you put it. I remember when Ed Hart came up to me and yep. I was just a college intern and he came up mm-hmm. to me and he said, Hey, Hey, how's 30, I think it was, yeah, 30 bucks a game. Hey, how's, how's 30 yep. bucks a game sound? And for me, I was like, you're going to let me watch baseball. You're going to feed me and give me $30 and I have to push some buttons. I was like, this is the greatest job I've ever had. And probably, you know, one of my only first jobs. So yep. you, you can't, you can't expect much to come back mm-hmm. at you, but the, the knowledge and experiences you gain from, from giving of yourself, it all comes back to you so much more than it could have financially. Definitely. And like, I, I worked in the athletic department while I was working with the baseball team, you know, just to get that extra income. Right. Um, it was long days, but Hey, that's sports. You know, the more you're in sports, you understand like, Hey, you're not a nine to five. You're probably a 7am to 2am. That's your, your normal schedule. And, and if you don't love that type of work, working in sports probably isn't, you know, for you. 
Um, no, but I still it, love it. It seems so. It seems so much more glamorous than it is. Yeah. It's, you know, and everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, you should go be a broadcaster. Oh, you should go uh, be a you know mm-hmm. a comic. Go work for a team or something." I'm like, I tried. I tried a lot of different ways. I kind yeah. of tried harder, but hey, I landed where I landed. And and some people, yeah, it's just like. They think you can, oh, just go be a CEO then. Just go be, a, yeah. you know, <laughs> yep. if, you, if it's so easy for me, you go do it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but <Yeah>. so <laughs> so with you with the baseball program and, and being a Cal State forward in baseball is, it's a special place and, and it was a great experience. You eventually uh, moved on to the Kansas City Royals for a short time. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I uh, went to, so what was it? The fall of. 2008 so the 2008-2009 season uh the winter baseball meetings were being held in las vegas so i went you know out to las vegas you know just to see what it was all about um and you know serrano and all those guys were like yeah you know it'd be a great opportunity especially since you don't really want to go into like the coaching side you can see all and meet all these ops people you know and just hang out and so like they yeah. gave me a couple numbers to just reach out to people uh, so I did like the minor league baseball job there, stuff like that. Um, ultimately, I the Royals weren't hiring this position at the job fair. Um, it was, I actually got a job with the World Baseball Classic that year for the fall of 2000, or yeah, the fall of 2008 nice. World Classic. And um, I worked the Dodger Stadium Championship. Um, and I got a call. I think we were on the road. Uh, oh, it might have been right before we went on that 11-day road trip to Southern Miss uh, and then Oklahoma State. And the midweek game was at Texas A&M. That someone that I had actually called just to get a feeler for gave my name out to the Royals going, hey, you know, if you need someone that, you know, for that position, you might want to give this guy a reach or a call, right? And so I get a call from my, who turned out to be my boss um, going, Hey, we're looking for videographers that will film our games the way we need it filmed or the way the coaches want it filmed. And you're going to collect all the footages, angles and create a report every game and send it to the GM after every game, right? It gets uploaded into the system and we want to, we want to make sure you have that film categorized so that when they're looking at player roster moves, you know, they can just go into the system and pretty much identify it, right? Now it's state-of-the-art equipment, you know, it's completely different world from the apps and the programs that we had back then in 2009 to 2020. I mean, I've seen it and it's like, oh my gosh, if I had that, it would have made my job so much easier. (laughs) And so, but luckily I was the first guy he called. And they hadn't hired any of their minor league affiliates yet. And he's like, all right, you're good enough. Your resume is good enough. You know, i like the conversation that we're having. Um, you get to pick where you want to go and work. And I'm like, okay, can you tell me where all the minor league cities are, right? And the first one he goes is Omaha. I'm like, Omaha. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Omaha, right? Because I've been there before for the College World Series, you know, with, with the Titans. And I'm like, I know that city already. I'm comfortable in that city. Let's go. Right. And he's like, I have to be honest. They don't have the best, you know, facility because Rosenblatt was on its way, you know, out the door and the locker rooms are small. The coach's offices were small. Um, He's like, and it's not set up for cameras, you know, that we're using. So you're pretty much doing everything handheld. And I'm like, doesn't matter. I'm going to Omaha. (laughs) And so he's like, Hey, uh, we're going to need you to report. I think it was two days after Easter. Right. And I'm like, all right. And so I told Toronto and the staff, I'm like, Hey, I'll stay with the team. Cause I, you know, committed uh, to the season to you guys. And like, so like, you can leave if you need to. He's like, this is a great opportunity, you know, do what you need to do. And he's like, I'm gonna support you 100% and tire away. But I was like, I've already booked my flights, right? Because I had to pay my, for myself to go on those road trips. I'm like, I already booked everything. And so I'll do the road trip and then I'll do the ASU midweek series. And then I'll bounce after that, right? And so it went from that midweek game to loading up my car and driving out uh, to Omaha, you know, that weekend and starting 
uh, day one, which was kind of funny because I never got trained <laughs> in what I was actually supposed to be filming. Or they just sent the camera, they sent the program, and they're like, have at it. And I call my boss, I'm like, hey, is there anything I'm actually supposed to be doing? <laughs> you know, like, or am I just winging it? He's like, just talk to the coaches, figure out what angles they want, and then upload the film, right? And so I had the program, you know, on my computer. And I think it's like three days before the first home game. Um, and I have Fullerton footage, right? Um, just on my computer. I'm like, all right, let me play around with the Fullerton footage in this program. So I'm not going to make a crucial error on day one, right? Oh, man, it took me like 48 hours of just playing around with the program to figure out what's the best way to upload it. How do I splice the clips? And, you know, <laughs> and so I was like, if I had some training, it might have been a little easier, but, you know, it was a great experience. You know, it's a great yeah. story to tell. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of how I got into the Royals. And then luckily in 2009, the Titans made the World Series again. And Serrano was like, hey, you're part of the team. And I did every single activity with the Titans while they're in Omaha. You know, I rode on the bus. Uh, I had my own credential from the Omaha Royals and that gave me all access anyways. So they didn't have to get me a credential and oh, wow. I'm just doing everything, you know, it was great. It was like 2009 was a great, even though we went two and Q. <laughs> <sighs> Haven't won a game in Omaha since 2006. It's a, it, it's, it's, right. oh, what a killer, man. Oh, yeah. well, uh, hopefully big things ahead. So um, what did you say? You worked at Dodger stadium for the world baseball classic. What were you doing yeah. that you were filming? Uh, I, no, I was controlling the photographers and just making oh. sure that their DS digital cards were getting back to their runners and runners were running it back to their editors that were in the back room so that they can put out those you know pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I was I was manning the third base camera while I was inside the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. And so uh, and, and I, before I forget what you said, you did not study kinesiology at, at Fullerton. Did. What, what did you yeah. study? So I went in as a public relations philosophy major, right? Because my idea was I wanted to go to law school. Um, then kind of realized philosophy is a lot of reading. <laughs> and <laughs> I hated reading. Um, so uh, I actually was on track to graduate in three years. Uh, and I wanted to study abroad, right? And because of how many classes I had already taken, I couldn't study abroad with that major or, or with the PR major. So I'm like, what is the easiest one to do? I'm like, oh, poli sci, right? Because like, <laughs> I had AP credit from, you know, AP government and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, I only have to take like 12 classes until I can get a, a poli sci major, right? And every single class that I took while studying abroad in London was fit the poli sci you know, of course. So then I would come back and only need one extra semester uh, to finish out a double degree, right? And so I'm taking all these classes. And I'm like, every single class I took while I was in London was a GE class that I had taken at Fullerton. And I'm like, this is the boringest year academically, but it was the best thing ever because all I did was Thursday, I hopped on a plane, went to some random city in Europe, came back Tuesday night, maybe went to class on Wednesday and repeated the cycle all spring semester. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was just traveling all spring semester because I had taken all these classes already and I could just come back. And like the way Europe does it is there's not like homework. Uh, your entire grade is pretty much based off of a final essay or a final exam question. And you got the final exam question in your syllabus and you got the prompt for the essay in your syllabus. So if I already knew the topics, I didn't have to be in class, right? And so <laughs> I was like, it can't be, you know, like, but after taking the fall semester, I didn't travel as much in the fall semester because I was like, oh, I'm going to be a good student. I'm here to study. I was like, no, spring semester is going to be completely different. I double checked all the syllabuses and I'm like, we're good. We're gone, you know? <laughs> That is crazy, man. I guess the moral of the story is, you know, for so many of us, whether we're a kid or high school or even college and our adult years, we, we have this idea of the direction we want to go, maybe some interests, mm -hmm. and we might pursue that a little bit 
but sometimes we get redirected somewhere we never thought we'd be, but it's always exactly where uh, we were supposed to be, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so after baseball and everything, that was 09, um, mm-hmm. you eventually, we already talked about it, but uh, yeah. you, you found your way uh, into mm-hmm. the volleyball world, coaching high school and club teams, yep. and, uh, and you've been doing that ever since. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I don't know how I'm still in it, but you know, I love it. You know, the girls might drive me nuts since I mainly work with girls, but Hey, they keep me up to date on, you know, social media trends, TikTok, (laughs) Snapchat. So I don't feel like I'm out of the loop on anything, you know, uh, the lingo I get to stay up on. I'm like, what's that? They're like, you haven't heard that word. I was like, no, they're like, Oh, and then I start using it. They're like, that's not how you use it. You know, like, well, that's how you explained it to me. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it funny, Trent? I mean, high school doesn't feel like that long ago, but it is a, yeah. it is a long time ago. I was class of 03. You were 03 also? I was 03 as well. Yeah. So we're the same age. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> wait a minute. I was, I was 37, 37 now. Gonna be, I mean, this is just ridiculous. I was, I've been 18 twice already. This is stupid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, Trent, I wish you nothing but the best, man. Um, you're, you could, you're still a big fan of sports, I got to imagine. And uh, it sounds like you're doing something you love doing. And hey, yeah, life life is pretty good. All these great championships and things uh, going on in, in Los Angeles, too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> got to get Titan baseball back on track, though, man. I don't know what it's going to take. Definitely. Yeah. Two more years. I think they have two, two more years. Maybe next year is going to be another down year. But I think once Dietrich gets his recruits in, you know, we'll see yeah. his style of play and coaching and hopefully like, you know, he, they just build upon, you know, this season and stuff like that. Well, as uh, someone who was involved in recruit, I mean, recruiting is so different now with this whole NIL mm-hmm. thing and transferring. Oh, and yeah. It's a, it's a wild, wild world out there. And I don't know how college yeah. coaches are going to, are going to adapt, but they're going to have to. Yeah. Like I think honestly, the rules are really relaxed and, they're turning college recruiting. Honestly, I think it's a joke. Um, Cause you know, like <laughs> it might make me sound old, but like, I, honestly, you know, I grew up on the idea that, Hey, if I'm committing, you know, to a program, I'm committing to the program. Right. Um, I understand there's some situations where uh, maybe it's just not the right fit or you don't have the opportunity um, to play at that particular school. Um, but now, like, the transfer portal has just made it, like, anyone that can get on, you know, like, oh, I had a disagreement with the coach, you know, or I had a disagreement with one of my teammates. I'm going on the transfer portal, right? And so now, you know, just within, like, what, two, three years since the tra- transfer portal has been open, like, I think volleyball you're seeing, at, at least at the collegiate level, there's, like, 1,600 athletes that were on the portal at one point this season this season wow and it's just like now with covid and everything it's like oh am i going to recruit the high school kids or am i going to already take a seasoned college transfer and take them over you know take over that spot and honestly you're seeing kids that are at the high school level lose out on uh potential college spots because a coach would rather take a seasoned uh player that they know already know what they're going to get out of them sure and, but yeah, yeah it's yeah. that's going around in all sports too and it, yeah, yeah it's gonna be be careful what you wish for sometimes you know that's yep. I, I just i don't like this and but we'll see we'll see it's got to be uh polished yeah. up and, and so we'll see but uh trent uh information or a place maybe a website or something that people can find out more info about sg elite uh tryouts or just the program itself uh yeah our website is sg vb.org okay yep. check it out uh, for any interested volleyball players or uh you know f- family members or whatever that would be uh intrigued it sounds like a great program and you're doing great work hey Trent, it was great catching up with you man we we met in a baseball pre- press box years ago and and now uh here we are you're coaching volleyball and i'm running a podcast so <laughs> Love you never it. know where you'll end up <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you having me on it was always great to catch up all right man all right later well, I've done a lot of podcasts now, and uh, I, I definitely never thought I'd be talking uh, volleyball, especially club volleyball, high school volleyball. Uh, but hey, I'm always a fan of uh, you know my my alma mater, Rio Hondo Prep. They like to compete in volleyball, and so 
what a what a different uh, different type of show we had today. And it wasn't just the specific sport. It's I think the the message and the lessons that sometimes you don't end up exactly where you thought you would, but you always end up exactly where you are supposed to be. Something of that nature. But anyway, uh, it was interesting hearing from Trent the different correlations in you know travel baseball and AAU basketball and volleyball now and everything seems year round and specialized. Uh, I don't necessarily love that. But uh, it seems to be the way of the world, and we can't always control control how the world operates. But uh, we can make the best of uh, of our experience in it. So Trent Chang, man, that was great catching up uh, back to our college days in uh, Cal State Fullerton, and he worked more directly with the team than I did. I was up behind the scenes, you know, like I said, in the press box, where we had a lot of fun. But uh, still, we're all kind of connected in some way or another. And uh, Trent Chang, I wish you the best of luck moving forward with SG Elite and Flint Ridge Sacred Heart Academy. Uh, in your volleyball, softball, uh, anything you're coaching, man, it sounds like you got a good uh, hold of things and 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 are uh, being very or are very very successful. So, thanks again, Trent. I'll talk to you very very soon, guys. That will wrap up today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Summer is here. Summer is upon us. I'm sure they'll be playing a lot of volleyball in those uh, air conditioned gyms there with, with SGV Elite and, and other programs around the country. But uh, for the rest of us, it's it's beach time, it's barbecue time, it's just getting by the pool, getting out and about. Kids are out of school, life is good. Uh, maybe some summer vacations planned. Big things ahead, and and for the Get Home Safe podcast, more great episodes ahead starting next week. Tuesdays, just me rambling away, my opinions on uh, sports and other topics going on around the world, and then Fridays, much like you heard today, a conversation with somebody, a long form interview talking about their area of expertise or just their life's travels, their journey. Uh, it's always fun for me to, to talk with someone and share that with you guys, the loyal fans of the get home safe podcast. I will be back next week. As I said, Tuesday and Friday, can't wait for more episodes. Can't wait for summer to get rolling here and uh, to get us uh, through summer and into the fall as we will start another uh, high school football season on the charge to keep podcast that is separate now from this one, but just big things ahead. And I can't wait. So guys, enjoy the weekend enjoy the beginning of summer it's uh, all that hope all that time away from school for the kids uh, special special time at least that's how it was my experience half a lifetime ago which is so crazy to think about but anyway guys enjoy the weekend we'll see you next week but guys as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe